This episode of Inside Transportation is sponsored by Ford Motor Company, built on the belief that freedom of movement drives human progress. From connectivity to autonomy, AI to machine learning, Ford has one simple goal, to improve mobility for its customers. To learn more about Ford's work in mobility, autonomous vehicles, and their global efforts to improve mobility for its customers, visit corporate.ford.com. That's corporate. .ford.com. The Inside Transportation Podcast is also sponsored by Fenwick & West. Fenwick & West is one of the world's first and leading law firms dedicated to technology and transportation. Learn more about how Fenwick can help companies tackle the complex, legal, and business issues of autonomous transportation at fenwick.com. That's F-E-N-W-I-C-K.com. Hello and welcome to the Inside Transportation Podcast, a production of Inside.com. This is our weekly podcast where we discuss transportation trends that you need to know about to stay ahead of the curve. My name is Johan Marino, and I'm the writer of the Inside Transportation and Inside Electric Vehicles newsletters. And I am joined here by my co-host, angel investor, podcaster, and the man who comes to the club with a megaphone, Jason Kalkanis. Oh, I think the megaphone is charging. <laughs> well, it's great to be here, everybody. And I just want to say, it's an emergency pod. Trevor has left Nicola. <laughs> Enough of that. <laughs> Sorry for blowing your eardrums out to the audience. But I did get a... It's true, I did get a megaphone. Uh, because I feel unheard. I feel like I'm not being heard. I, I don't like think I, don't I need a, a platform. megaphone because I'm loud as shit. But you are. Go you ahead. Are. Yeah. No, it's, it's a lot of fun to have a megaphone. Yes, yes. Well, today on the show, we're going to be looking into the mysterious disappearance of Trevor Milton from social media. There's a few developments there. We're going to be playing a round of Dope or Nope. But first, so much has happened since we last did a news roundtable, Jason. Yes, a lot uh, of news. Tesla had its much-anticipated Battery Day event. Mind you, everyone, everyone's been waiting for this event the entire year. We were all expecting a million-mile battery, cheaper batteries already in production, maybe yeah. even a new car, but we didn't get any of that. Instead, Elon and team showed off some awesome innovations that the company is working on, but we won't see those innovations in full-scale production until 2022. Running through some of these uh, really quickly, and then we can delve into them if you'd like, but Tesla said they would be making its own battery cells and developed a new tabless battery design. These batteries would be more efficient and have more power than the existing batteries they use. The company also said it would stop using cobalt in their batteries, which is the most expensive component used in an EV battery. It would also start mining for its own battery cell materials and start making it its own cathodes. Um, it also revealed details on this Plaid Model S, which can go 0 to 60 in less than two seconds, and it will retail for $130,000. It also said it would eventually make an EV for under $25,000. Imagine that, a Tesla for under $25,000 within three years. But despite all of this, Wall Street did not respond well to the event. The stock dropped from $424 a share before the event to $380 the following day. Today in a podcast with Kara Swisher, Musk called the press coverage of the event sad. And he said this, most of the press takeaway was a sad reflection of their understanding. Swisher then asked him to elaborate, and he said, I'm not trying to convince people that much. The results will speak for themselves. We have produced many of the cells that we we're talking about. We have also had cars driving those cells since May. So, Jason, what was your take on the Battery Day event? What are you excited for? Yeah. Any I thoughts mean, there? Yeah, the, these events, these press events, are important to have in a company because – they allow um, a team internally to work towards a goal. So that's the internal reason to have these. It kind of says, hey, we're planting a flag on this day. We're going to share with the world what we've accomplished, whether that's a new iPhone or, you know, a new, um, you know, laptop or in this case, new batteries. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at the details of what they're doing, it's truly revolutionary and it's, 
groundbreaking and it's really hard to make progress in batteries. We all know that. Like batteries are a complicated uh, thing. And the fact that a car company is going to start mining for its own materials (laughs) to make its own batteries is insane. Like I saw that. I was like, okay, wait, he's mining this stuff too? Like... He literally he's is making like, the bread. He's he's, he's literally the, exactly. He's making the flour. He's yes. going out to buy the the Correct. wheat. <laughs> yes, but I think what people expected was, you know, maybe they would announce some specific type of battery package that would go a million miles, etc. But you know, the fact is, um, I think this is an educational opportunity for people. Um, and he got really into the weeds and the details about batteries. So maybe this isn't for you know, journalists who really don't have a science background and don't understand what they're doing. Um, and so, yeah, I could see him being, you know, I, I could see people not understanding it, but making batteries that are 50% or 76% less, whatever it winds up being, mm-hmm. um, or that, you know, I thought the really interesting thing was sort of how the batteries will fill the cell. And, you know, he showed the wing of an airplane. He said they used to build an airplane wing and then mm-hmm. put a gas tank in it. Then they realized, well, what if the wing was fabricated to be a, ga- a gas tank and the entire wing was a gas tank, right? Mm-hmm. Then you lose all that lost space and volume in there. And that's what they're going to be doing with their floorboards for like the batteries. And so if you want to make something twice as good, there are a number of ways to go about it. You could make two components 50% better, right? And then that would be twice as good. Or in this case, they're doing like 20 things, 2 to 10% better over time. And that will result in a, you know, a doubling or a halving of cost. And right now, we all know that the batteries are the big ticket item. Yeah. And there is a bulk of the cost. It's the bulk of the cost. So if he can drive that cost down by half, which is what this seems to be doing uh, or more, Mm -hmm. and he can increase the production, then they'll be, they'll not run out of batteries. And I think that's a big piece of this too, you know. Apple was at the mercy of other people's batteries, and that was mm-hmm. a big challenge for them. And I think Elon's just saying, "Listen, we're gonna we're gonna be the masters of our own destiny. We're gonna make our own batteries. Sure, we can use other people's batteries, but we're gonna start our own process here." And I think that shows that beyond the car, they have aspirations. So the power wall is a beneficiary of this as well. Absolutely. And yes. so that's the thing that people are. I, I mean, the journalists are just. I mean, you know how it is with journalists today. Well, like, yeah, I mean, look, they, e- EV journalists, people at the industry who understand what it takes to actually put these innovations into play, they were all yes. fascinated by it. But then you get these, yes. like, you know, casual CNBC, CNN business kind of reporters who don't really yes. recognize the work it takes and who also happen right. to publicize Nikola and all of these other companies that haven't been able to prove themselves, right? And and use that Tesla killer label um they don't get it and i think that was the media reaction but also i think a reporter for bloomberg today kind of criticized musk because he didn't invite any reporters to the battery day event which oh really yeah oh so maybe that was it maybe it was a little agenda but you know at the end of the day the press is not important they're they're really not um especially when it comes to startups all that matters is you know the product the team and the product they build and the customers who consume that product. So let me just say that again. All that matters is the team, and he's assembled a world-class team. Mm-hmm. The product they build, which is a world-class, industry-changing, best-in-breed yes. product, and then the customers who are rabid. And so I like the fact that Elon goes direct to his customers and direct to his employees. They don't have to wonder what Elon's thinking. He just tells them, here's what we're doing. Here's the master plan. Here's the master plan, part deux. Here is what we're going to do. We're going to build a $25,000 car. Um, I think, you know, some people thought, like, maybe they're going to, these batteries would be here today, which I, I don't know why they would think that. You know, these things take a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were uh, the other announcement I thought was pretty great there was just how quickly they built the Chinese factory and that the Chinese factory was 100% owned by Tesla. Yeah. That was a little <laughs> nugget he he talked about. Where he said, "Listen, we we own our entire factory there." Which most people, when you go to China, you have to give up your business. Yeah, you have to give up fifty percent. It's a joint venture agreement. or more. Yeah, yeah, you have to be a joint venture. So that was, I think, um, 
that says a lot that the Chinese government is so uh, respects Elon so much that they allow him to have his own factory there, uh, and they want to participate with him. The plaid uh, car is bonkers. The real question is: Is Jason Calcanis going to also get uh, an upgrade? On his Model S to the Plaid Model S that can go zero to sixty. Well, I, in less I than would two have seconds. to buy a new one. I don't think I would want to take serial number one and rip out the <laughs> innards, which you can't do, by the way. But I, I need to make some decisions here because I just got the Model Y. I gave back my Model Three. I wanted to keep the Model Three, but I have no driver space, and I'm running out of chargers. Like I literally have my Roadster plugged into a one ten, mm. and then two Tesla chargers at home, and you know that means one car is not plugged in at any given point in time. So. It's it's getting a little ridiculous, but uh, you know what's ridiculous is that this car can go zero to sixty in less than two seconds, and it's only priced at a hundred thirty thousand dollars. I mean, what would the equivalent (laughs) supercar be? A million? Like yeah, like a McLaren. I'm thinking, right? A McLaren, which would would go like over a million. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So that is ridiculous. And that I saw a video of the car uh, driving on a track. I forgot which one it was, but. yeah, it's pretty demented. I mean, and it's a 520-mile range. So what's going to happen because of these new batteries is you're going to have your choice. A cheaper car, the $25,000 mm-hmm. one, a higher-performance car, Plaid, or an incredibly long-range car. Mm. And so that's going to become, I think, a very interesting moment in time where – you know, there might be 10% of people who are like, I drive, I can't have a 300-mile range car. It's like, I don't know who that person is who can't have a 300-mile <laughs> range car. You're driving over five hours a day, but uh, or you're on a road trip that's over 500 and the superchargers work. But to just pause on that for a second, that you could have cars that are 25,000 or that go 500-mile range is ridiculous. It is now become fully ludicrous. Uh, on all levels, that range anxiety levels. is gone. <laughs> it's plaid on all levels. Like, I, you know, going to the superchargers, uh, my wife drove the Model 3 up from L.A. to San Francisco, and she only had to stop once. And, you know, she I had to warn her, like, the charger's going to fill up so quickly that by the time she got back with her food, she was totally full. And I was like, you're going to get a dollar a minute fine for staying in there, if it's, <laughs> you know, crowded. So yeah, yeah. we're now getting to the point where, like, the charging stations are – Faster than people can stop to get a meal, right? I agree with you because a, a few months back before COVID, I was actually on a road trip with a friend and we stopped by for lunch for like 25 minutes and the car was already done. And this was a Model S. And this was before yeah. V3 supercharging, which is expanding. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, they're actually yeah. putting a giant ass V3 supercharging center in the middle of Los Angeles um, and San Francisco. Wow. Um, and so V3 supercharging. You oh, should... they're going to put one in San Francisco. Are they going to put one in San Francisco? Oh, that's cool. They're they? putting I, one. I, yeah. I... So they're expanding them all throughout the place. Right. But Elon, I've always talked to Elon about that, you know, and he was always like, he didn't want to have them in the cities because people would use them as their places to charge. Mm, I see. Um, and that was kind of a problem with the early model S's and X's that, you know, people who lived in neighborhoods by them would, for some silly reason, go sit in their car and charge and save $2. And I'm like, you're driving a $150 car and you're going and saving $2 by going to the supercharger. Uh, Cause remember those original cars had unlimited, yeah, they had free unlimited supercharging. Right. And now I think yeah. they give you about, I think it's like a thousand miles, maybe 3000 miles. I have to check on that. Yeah. But- it's, it's an unnecessary amount, but they did have to cap because of the abuse. There was one company that was doing the, um, I forgot the name of it, but they were doing like Tesla Loop or oh, something. Oh, Tesla Loop. Yeah, yeah. They're like a rental or like a taxi company or something like that. They were a taxi company going to L.A. to Vegas. Mm. And so you could pay and they would drive you there. But anyway, it's a huge success. Who cares about the press? They're literally less and less important in the world. I mean, it's one of the reasons that inside that we're moving towards an analyst and a research group and having people like yourselves at inside to do stuff. So if you look at inside.com slash business or inside.com slash Amazon, we're hiring business researchers and teaching them journalism, which is easier than hiring journalists and trying to teach them to be deep vertical experts on business. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, And so I just think it's part of what's happening in the, you know, late stage journalism where, a lot of like the best journalists are leaving to go start their own like Substacks, private newsletters, yeah, podcasts, Casey Newton, whatever. right? Yeah, Casey left this week, and so I think a lot of the top journalists just you know they 
they don't want to write link baiting nonsense anymore. They want to write stuff of substance. And I think if you're working at a Vox or a BuzzFeed or a Vice, you know, there's going to just be this natural chasing of page views. It doesn't mean their intention is to do bad journalism. It just means the pressure cooker of having to, you know, get page views all the time means, you know, you on the margins write a headline that's a little snark, snarky or maybe even like you write a good story, but the person who is the editor, social media yeah. manager changes the headline. <laughs> I've been a and part so of that. <laughs> you have, do tell, do tell. I mean, yeah, I, I, used to, I, mean, I worked at a traditional newspaper for like a few months and you would basically have to send your beautifully crafted, edited article to the digital team. So it wasn't the same team actually editing it, right? They have oh, some no. sort of algorithm or some sort of system that they put the headline in or they put the topics in and it generates this stupid oh. I'm gonna swear this embarrassing stupid fucking headline. embarrassing like headline. That makes you have to apologize to the subjects, right? Yeah, you have to yeah. then go, I didn't write the headline to the subjects in the story. Yeah, and, and they're apologize. like, Well, we're doing it because we wanna increase the amount of traffic on the uh, story. And I was just like, Man, I, I fucking hate this <laughs> profession sometimes. Um, but kind of on, on that topic about link or clickbait, <laughs> Tes Tesla link, like, like that's a huge thing, right? Is that you see all these publications putting out like clickbait articles about Tesla. And at the end of the day, first of all, Elon is not shy about the work the company is doing. They don't have PR right now. If you send a message, he's never had PR. He's never had advertising. I don't know if you saw it during the, um, the shareholder day, there was some like group of people was like we want tesla to embrace advertising it's like you don't need advertising if you have elon <laughs> yeah and the world's best product like it's just not necessary well i, I mean I, I could see where they would do some advertising because you know how far is does this does this network go right like is elon and tesla are they always going to be one in the same like is there ever going to be a separation of elon musk from the tesla brand any any thoughts there no no? No. Always no. going to be together. For, forever we'll be connected, mm. um, I think. Uh, that, that doesn't mean that he's the CEO forever. I mean, it's possible somebody else could be the CEO at some point. Or I think the company is going to ultimately be, I don't have any inside information on this, but I do think because the company has like four or five different major components to it, batteries, solar, cars, trucks, you know, when companies get that big, it's usually multiple divisions with CEOs of each. Right. And it, it's getting to the scale now where, you know, like I think Amazon Web Services, Amazon Prime Video, and Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime, you know, the e-commerce site, like those are three different, there are essentially three CEOs for those different divisions, yeah. right? Who run them on their own P&Ls and Jeff, they all roll up into Jeff. So that's, you know, th those are the kind of structures people tend to look at when things get too big mm -hmm. yeah. um, or not too big. They just get big. You know, they, 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 you tend to need to have a CEO for each one of these things. Yeah. Yeah. But what I was going to say is that so many of the announcements made during Battery Day had been teased or leaked out in the months leading up to the event. So I yeah. think this is why the market or even retail investors were not necessarily stunned by what happened. But also, like Elon said, I mean, large scale manufacturing is incredibly difficult. He said it was 10,000 times more difficult. And it really is. You see all these other EV startups making prototypes, yet they're being equally compared to Tesla. It just makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how many times I have to tell this to people, but like if the product is not in market yet, you need to treat that company as a pre-product company, right? Mm -hmm. That is a different animal. It's a different beast than a company with a product in market. So when I invest in companies as an angel investor, a seed investor, you know, if you're investing in a company that doesn't have their product in market, it's worth a fraction of what the companies that get their products to market. Mm -hmm. When you have a company that has a product in market, you can talk to the customers. You can ask them, would you buy this uh, product again? Would you recommend your friend buy this product or service. You get the idea. Mm -hmm. So there would be all of these, um, you know, opportunities for you to diligence the company. And then with a company like Nikola or Fisker, you know, they're selling promises and the people who are selling the promises have zero credibility. Um, and, or, or even worse, they have a bad track record like Fisker has a bad track record. Mm -hmm. So why on earth would you give a premium to a nobody um, 
or somebody who's failed their whole career or most of their career or whatever mm. versus, you know, a company that has their product in market. So just be wary of that, you know. Do you and, think and retail investors the- are not doing ample research when they make an investment on Robinhood or another app? I think that there are some people who are gambling, gambling and speculating. Yes. So when you look at Dave Portnoy, El Presidente from Barstool, um, yeah. Barstool, he's explicitly saying, I'm buying John Deere because I saw a deer this morning. Or he literally was picking, <laughs> he was picking Scrabble letters out of the bag, looking up the ticker symbol and buying them. So he was explicitly telling people it was gambling and that stonks go up. Not stocks, stonks. And the idea being that if your company is public, it had to hit a certain benchmark and all stock, the stock market's historically gone up, so therefore stocks go up. Well, that's not reality, that stocks go up. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they go down sometimes too. And so uh, I do think that people are using the stock market as a proxy for gambling during the pandemic. Um, but that's, I'm okay with that just like I'm okay with gambling, as long as you're doing it with an amount of money you can afford to lose. Right, yeah. One to 5% of your net worth. If you told me, I know how much you make. If you told me you were spending X amount, I would, and you know, I would say, okay, fine, have fun. You're learning. You're going to get burned. You're going to take risk. Who knows? You maybe had some winners. Your chances on the stock market are certainly going to be better than gambling, where it's explicitly, you know, like you're going to lose at blackjack eventually, but you might win at the stock market, um, which was kind of, El Presidente's point is that the stock market is a better gambling vehicle than gambling. That's true. Although, you know, I, I, I got some I got some shit from one of our readers because I wrote about El Presidente um, supporting Fisker. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, basically told him. What I, I credibility said, I, <laughs> does he have? <laughs> I mean, come on. I was like. Somebody should tell him to subscribe to Inside Electric Vehicles, where we cover the electric vehicle space almost every day of the week. <laughs> yes. We have for four years. Um, but yes, uh, let, let's move on to the next topic here after the break. A topic you're very yep. well familiar with. Um, <laughs> here we go. Where is Trevor? Where is he? Where is Trevor? Where is he? We'll look into it after the break here on Inside Transportation. Stay tuned. Hey, everybody. I just want to let you know that this episode of Inside Transportation is sponsored by our friends at the Ford Motor Company, built on the belief that freedom of movement drives human progress from connectivity to autonomy. Ford has one simple goal, and that's to improve the mobility of its customers. Ford has been using technology to shape the future of transportation for over 100 years and is dedicated to solving the world's most pressing mobility issues. What you might not know is that Ford has a series of divisions that make these visions a reality. Ford X is Ford's venture incubator that unites entrepreneurs, designers, and engineers to shape the future of transportation. Ford's City Innovations team brings innovative ideas to life through community workshops, crowdsourcing initiatives, and citywide mobility challenges. And Spin, a property of Ford, brings e-scooter sharing to cities and college campuses. So here's your call to action to learn more about Ford's work in mobility, autonomous vehicles, and their global efforts to improve mobility for its customers. Visit corporate.ford.com. That's corporate.ford.com. And we're back here on Inside Transportation. Jason Calcanis, Johan Marino. We're just chopping it up, catching up on what's going on in the transportation space. I got my why. You got your why? You, my white Y, white on white on white. white All my other cars white are black on, on black white. on black. This one I got white interior, white outside. It looks so sharp, oh, man. and it really is the best car Tesla's ever made, and it is significantly better, I believe, than even the Model Three. Is it better? It feels like <laughs> it was the car. It just feels perfect. It's a little bit tighter. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more room inside. It just feels like the best car they ever made. Man, is it better than the Nikola Badger, though? (laughs) I mean, there was that moment during my podcast with him, Mm -hmm. which I think my podcast with him is going to be part of like a lot of lawsuits now. I think you're going to have to free up your schedule so you can go to some of these court hearings because, look. I'm going to be deposed? (laughs) Hey. When you laughed at Nikola on your podcast, what were you thinking? I have some news for you. (laughs) Yeah. 
I'm going to kick off the subject and then you'll hear. Okay. You're going to have to stop me at the point where you're going to grow a little concerned when I tell you this. Okay, here we go. Okay. Okay. (laughs) After trying to make himself a public figure through constant appearances on CNBC, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about Trevor Milton, um, and a buzzing social media presence. (laughs) Hey-oh. That was pretty good. I didn't know you had jokes. Days after Nicola founder Trevor Milton stepped down from his position at the company, his social media (laughs) channels are nowhere to be found. Okay, I'm just going to let you know, this is the part where you should be concerned. He Uh even filed a DCMA request against some prominent social media personalities, including a good friend of this podcast, Omar Kazi, trying to take down videos published by social media accounts that feature interviews with Milton. Uh oh! <laughs> sure, sue me. I don't care. I, I have money and lawyers. It's fine. You can sue me. I I could use the press. I I, I don't get any. I used to get press all the time. The press doesn't like me anymore, so I don't get press. Didn't you get press like them. a month ago after the whole micro schools thing? Yeah, I get bad press. I never That's get any. That's a great press. What are you talking press. about? Everybody, look. I talked to so many people after that, and they're like, "Yeah, I'm putting my kids into micro schools now because Jason Calcanis said to do it." Oh, no. Now you're going to get me in trouble with the teachers unions. The teachers unions were not pleased because I was like, I did some math. The public school spends $15,000 per student and a teacher gets paid 60. So the first four students pay for the teacher. What happens to the other 26 students? You know, like in the cost of them, where does that money go? And they're like, don't ask. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We've got a lot of administrators and overhead. Yeah, yeah. Um, you don't. You never want to. You never want to fuck with the teachers' union. That's something I learned no, early on no, in my no. life. <laughs> I literally had like one union person went crazy on me, and I had to talk to them on the phone, and because uh, they were just getting like super personal about things. Mm, uh, yeah, I was like, "Bruh, take it down a notch." She's like, "You're trying to destroy unions." I'm like, "I, I, because I wanted to get a teacher to teach my student because we're in the middle of a pandemic. I'm destroying the teachers' union." He's like, yes. I'm like, well, my kid's not going to learn on Zoom. And newsflash, nobody's kids are learning on Zoom. Like one teacher, 30 kids on Zoom. Are you crazy? Yeah. There's no learning going yeah, on. Yeah, 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 man. So dumb. Yeah. Anyway, back to Nicola. Okay, so this is not Trevor. the only so Trevor's new missing. report that leaked out okay. this week. So as we all know, Nicola filed a lawsuit against Tesla for, quote unquote, stealing the design of the Tesla Semi from the Nicola One. <laughs> Last week... Tesla claimed that Nikola founder Trevor Milton stole the design for its Nikola One semi-trailer truck from Adriano Mudri, a designer for EV company Rimac. Later, the Financial Times reported that Milton had actually purchased the designs from Mudri, but Milton did not say that. Milton said that he created the designs in his basement. Um... My take on this. My take on this. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm laughing too hard. I, I wrote this down. My take. This shit is a mess. <laughs> <laughs> is that your technical that's, assessment? That's my take. Go ahead, I Jason. I mean, it's just, I believe that every single rock you turn over in the Nikola world, there's going to be something under it you did not want to find. Um, like, literally, you know, they were, I, I, I saw one story that said, you know, they were using other people's parts but putting tape over them, the logos, oh, so yeah, you could yeah, yeah. figure out whose one. parts they were using. <laughs> and, you know, that's when I when I interviewed him, I tried to be fair and give him you listen to my interview. Yeah. I tried to be fair and let him talk. And I pushed him a little bit, but my goal was to get him talking and explain what he was doing. And, you know, it, it definitely came across as like there was it did not all feel right, you know? Mm. And I told people, you know, the week before he got ousted, I was on CNBC and I said, listen, I, you really shouldn't be investing in companies until their products are out. If this company was a $200 million company and it had $50 million in investment, I would look at it like, okay, it's very speculative. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but as a public company worth $30 billion and retail investors buying into it, this thing's going to go back down to $250 million or zero. Yeah. Which I still believe is what will happen, is it will get sold for parts and there's really nothing there. So if there's nothing there, then you are betting on momentum and Trevor's ability to, you know, manifest something in the world. Well, he's not there. He's not going to manifest anything. And if everything was a fraud, well, okay. I mean, in fairness to him, most car companies start by using other people's parts. Like we, there's a supply chain, right? right? Like right. Tesla used 
you know, famously, you know, different parts of the supply chain and did some parts themselves. Yeah. And then over time, they, they built every system themselves. Now they're building the batteries themselves. They're even mining the stuff themselves. So that's fine if, you know, he was using different people for the drivetrain or the batteries. That's that, There's nothing wrong with that. But he just seemed like all sizzle and no steak, you know, all hat, no cowboy, mm -hmm. basically. Is that what they say? Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, he's going to wind up in jail is my... My best guess is he winds up in jail, and this winds up being a full-on fraud with lots of details that will come out that will be worse than the details we know now. That's my guess. I think so, too. So don't sue me, but it's a guess. I think so, too. Uh, don't sue me as well because I'm talking about But it's about a guess. <laughs> if you say it's a guess, Johan, I don't think they can okue okay. you. I'm gonna, my I'm gonna, instinct, I'm gonna lay this my out. gut, my I'm guess. I'm going to lay this out. Yes. This is my guess, dot, dot, dot. Okay. Nicola will disappear from the earth by the end of 2020. Okay. Um, I would say GM 2021. will buy whatever the fuck they actually do have, which I think is uh, nothing. nothing. Um, yeah. Because they had a, a former GM president or, or chairman who actually yeah. got Nicola the investment. And he said, we brought an army out to Nicola headquarters and they did all their due diligence. But I mean, what would Walgreens say about Thernos? You know? Yeah, they actually, if you listen to the book, um, Elizabeth Holmes didn't let them do diligence. And they did the deal anyway because they thought that, you know, I don't know, somebody else like Dwayne Reed was going to get the deal or something. Mm. And they didn't want to, they didn't want to upset Elizabeth by doing diligence. Uh, <clears throat> but the investors I knew who were looking at Theranos back in the day, they kind of laughed in her face when they said they couldn't diligence it. It was like, what do you mean we can't look at the product? She's like, it's proprietary. I'm like, yeah, I know. We're giving you money. We're your partners. We own the business with you. Therefore, we can see the product. She's like, oh, no, 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 no. You can be an owner in the product, but you cannot see the product. But anyway, this is a great lesson for everybody. If you want to speculate, if you want to you know, take long shot crazy bets, it's one thing if you're a professional. It's another thing to put this kind of product on the public markets. And when you put this kind of product on the public markets and you get a bunch of you know, day traders or speculators or, you know, old people who are retired who now have a SPAC or they're looking to make an extra couple of million in their final years of their lives. Like, that's what you're going to see with these SPACs. You're going to see legit people doing SPACs like, um, you know, Chamath, obviously a friend of mine, right. Mark Pincus and Reed Hoffman. Mark's a friend of mine. Reed's a colleague of mine. I don't say we're friends, but we know each other. Like, you're going to have people who are, like, really good and in the prime of their careers doing these SPACs with great quality products. And then you're going to have, like, these weird people who, like, they 20 years ago were CEO of some company. And now a bunch of, you know, promoters with money have created this special, you know, um, little acquisition corporation. And they want to put some shiny name on it, you know, from somebody who was once the CEO of something important. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I also think it was the perfect investors. storm, right? Because <clears throat> Tesla was going up in the stock, right? Yes, of course. People they're had nothing to do in the heat of summer, and they're like, hey, let me let me put some money into Robinhood, or let me put yes. some money into E-Trade, or whatever, right? Yeah. And a ton of people who were just uninformed on what was happening in the EV space, people who yeah, didn't really research the company, right? So it's just a perfect storm of a lot of things. And then obviously, you know, when you're you know, everywhere, right? When people are saying, oh, Nicole is the next big thing. He got a little cocky and he started saying things he shouldn't have said. And I think that's the issue here is in reality, this company had no proprietary technology, just like many other EV makers, many other automakers, like you were saying, right? At the beginning, you source parts from different suppliers. I mean, Tesla sourced batteries from Panasonic. They sourced uh, their um, autopilot stuff from Mobileye, I think. Um, so, you know, it's pretty common. But where I think things fell out of translation was that I feel like either he felt pressured or he felt like he was in a race with Tesla and he just had to lie about a lot of this shit. Or he's a deranged individual who that is 39 too. years old and could be a sociopath. I mean, but it's like also Elizabeth like Elizabeth Holmes. Yeah, yeah. No, but you know, like, I, I don't know. Look, I'm going to ask you this question and it might yeah. have something to do with transportation. It might not have to do anything with it. But it almost yeah. seems like this culture of Silicon Valley and having a startup and being a business person, there's a lot of people yeah. who say they're the CEO of X company, 
right? Or they say they were the chief marketing officer of X company, right? And they have no track record. They just kind of became the CEO of their own company because it's very flashy or very, you know, they want to feel good about themselves. So they're like, oh, I'm I'm a businessman. I'm a CEO. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, I mean, entrepreneurship is one of those pursuits where it takes extreme personalities to succeed, right? Uh, You've got long odds. You're trying to change the world. You're resource constraint. You're making something manifest from nothing. You're up against big competitors. And so, yeah, it does draw a certain group of people. And as part of that, it draws crazy people. Mm -hmm. It draws liars, deranged people, frauds. You know, Elizabeth Holmes now is literally her defense, I understand from what I read in the headlines. Um, is she's going to plead insanity, insanity. basically, <laughs> mental illness. Like, lit- And I was like, you know what? I don't think it's far off from the truth. I don't think it's far off the truth. I think I think Elizabeth Holmes was a deranged, crazy individual. Um, and does that mean she should get off? No. I think she should have the book thrown at her because she was screwing with people's literal lives. They, could, they might take medicine and get medical advice over it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's arguably worse than Bernie Madoff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Madoff was stealing people's money that could ruin them, but it wouldn't necessarily could kill them, but not necessarily kill them. You know, you, you screw with somebody's blood test and they take the wrong blood thinner or whatever the opposite of a blood thinner is like, maybe you kill them. Yeah. So if I had you know, to guess, <clears throat> I think Elizabeth Holmes will get a longer jail sentence than Trevor Milton. If I had to oh, guess. Oh, that's a good bet. <laughs> this is a really good bet. Who does more jail time ultimately? Who does? Who gets a better sentence, or who actually does the most months in jail? I think Elizabeth Holmes is going to go to jail longer. I got to say Elizabeth yeah, Holmes too. Of the whole medical, so let's yeah. do set a line. Okay. You know how to set a line? No. The over no under. You pick the number of months you believe she'll be in jail. Number of months served. So like the day she steps out of prison and is on probation mm-hmm. or halfway house, but the day she's out of jail, mm-hmm. out of the the huskow, the pen. Um, so. Would you say she's going to be in jail for 10 months, 100 months? And then I'll pick over or under. You set the line. I'll take the under or over. Okay. I'm going to set the line Okay. at. Okay. Here we go. 36 months. No, sorry. 56 months. 56 months. I'll take the under. Okay. I'll take the under. I think that she could get sentenced to 56 months or 72 months. I think she'll get out in 36 months. But I like it. 56 is your bet. Yeah. So you got I, over fifty six. Yeah, I got over fifty six. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I okay. Like she might. And we're gonna bet a model years. Y. What are we bet? Model Y. You bet know a, how much I make. We're gonna, we're gonna bet a plaid. <laughs> <laughs> I do actually. A plaid. <laughs> we'll bet a plaid. <laughs> you know how much I make. I'm saying a plaid shirt. I said a plaid shirt, yeah, not the actual plaid, plaid car. I'll get you a plaid. A plaid. Shirt. I'll put up a plaid car. You put up a plaid shirt. <laughs> I mean, we like have to make bet. things equal here. You know, I don't. I don't own a piece of socialism. Anyway. When we come back from the break, we're going to be talking about California's new EV mandate. Stay tuned. Hey, everybody. Let me take a moment to thank Fenwick and West. They're one of the world's first and leading law firms dedicated to technology and life sciences. They operate in the fast lane of innovation where ideas often outpace changes in the law. That's where you find Fenwick's autonomous transportation and shared mobility practice, steering startups, technology giants, and major automotive companies through rapidly evolving legal, business, and regulatory challenges, which we talk about here on Inside Transportation all the time. A Silicon Valley original, Fenwick is a national law firm with offices in Mountain View, San Francisco, Seattle, New York, Santa Monica, and even Shanghai. So here's your call to action. Learn more about how Fenwick can help companies tackle the complex legal and business issues of autonomous transportation at Fenwick.com. That's F-E-N-W-I-C-K.com. Thanks again to Fenwick for providing great legal services to me. I use them personally uh, for, and for our investments and uh, for supporting independent media like Inside Transportation. Let's get back to this amazing episode. And we're back on Inside Transportation. So California Governor Gavin Newsom signed an executive order that would phase out the sale of vehicles that run on internal combustion engines after 2035. After that date, Only battery electric, gasoline hybrid, and other forms of zero emission vehicles will be allowed for sale in the state. So there is actually the the California Air Resources Board announced a mandate on commercial trucks earlier this year, which would require all new trucks to be zero emission by 2045. Keep in mind, China 
announced it would be carbon neutral by 2060 and is willing a plan that would require 60% of the country's vehicles to be electric by 2035. So currently, California makes up about 15% of all U.S. gasoline sales. Jason, what are some of your thoughts on this, you know, mandate? Do you think it was even necessary to kind of put this out there? Because, I mean, we're already kind of seeing the marketplace go toward electrification. I think it's nice. It's nice that we are actually planting, you know, um, some flags and saying, hey, here's the goal. I would rather see incentives and like year by year goals here. Mm -hmm. And I think... People will make decisions uh, based on financial incentives. One of the problems we're seeing is that people who produce oil, gasoline, are able to manipulate the price however they like Mm. because there's so much of it. And so you would think that oil would get more expensive, but because the oil nations, whether it's Venezuela, Russia, or the Middle East, are facing so much competition from EVs, uh, et cetera, they, uh, and because gas mileage is going up in a lot of cases, <clears throat> I think there's a challenge in that they keep lowering the price of oil. Right. You, you know, when Tesla came out as a company, they were, oil was, you know, a hundred dollars a barrel or something. Mm-hmm. It was really high. And they were speculating 300, 400, $500 barrel of oils. So if you go to the New York times right now, or wall street journey, you type in $300 barrel of oil, you will find stories where people are talking about $300 barrel of oil. Um, and it never got there. In fact, remember we were talking, uh, you know, recently um, that uh, it was a historic low of like $40 a barrel. And then they were, oil was trading below. Yeah, I remember that. Like whatever, they would pay you to take it or <laughs> so something. Right and it was like, how is that possible? Right? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, how is that possible? Negative $100 a barrel, whatever. And it was because they, you know, they couldn't take anymore. And so I'm looking right now. There's a Barron story from September 8th, 2008. What a $300 a barrel oil will mean for you. And, you know, that never happened. But that would mean, you know, you'd start to get to this $10 a gallon of gasoline. And when that happens, oh, my Lord, you know, people are going to line up and buy EVs. And back when that happened, we hit $100. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember this, but Toyota Priuses were sold out. They were getting, what, 45 miles to the yeah, gallon? Yeah, I remember that, yeah. And then there were Honda Insights yes. that were getting 60, 70, 80 miles to the gallon. Yes, my sister People still were, has one, by the way. I think it's like she de- she 10 does, or yes. 15 years old. It's, it's really old, <laughs> but it still works. Uh, it still she, runs. It still works. And the gas mileage on those was bonkers. Yeah. Um, just looking at the... I'm trying to think of like what the peak was. Well, I um, had a Honda Civic Hybrid for a little while. And it was the best car ever because I had to fill up once a month. <laughs> and wow. I would do like deliveries and stuff in it. And yeah, I mean, it, it was amazing. Um, yeah. But I remember that period of time where gasoline was super expensive. I think it was like, what, 2007, 2006, maybe? Yeah, I think it was around yeah. that. Yeah. And I mean, that's when we really saw the Prius take off. And at some point after the re- was it after the recession where gas got really cheap and people were like, yep. I'm going to start buying SUVs, SUV again time. And trucks. Yep. And trucks became big. Yeah. At the moment, people still are gravitating. American buyers are gravitating to SUVs and trucks. One thing I actually Crazy. wanted to mention with the Tesla twenty five thousand dollar electric vehicle. So Elon said it would not be the Model three that would be priced at twenty five thousand dollars. It would be a new car um, yeah. that would be smaller than the Model three. It would be like, a, I'm guessing it's going to be like a Mini Cooper yeah, type. Yeah, like a door, city car. You know, um, like a city car, for yeah, sure. It's gonna, so they're going to design one of the cars in China, and it's going to be a China-exclusive vehicle. They're going to have one in Ooh. Europe, and it's going to be a Europe-exclusive vehicle. And ah. he didn't say anything about U.S., though, because I don't think it makes it to the U.S. Because Volkswagen, which we're going to talk about in a few, a few minutes here, Volkswagen had the ID3, which was their flagship in the MEB. Uh, Americans lineup. don't want it. They don't need it. Yeah. yeah, I know. I don't think they're gonna make a twenty-five thousand dollar Tesla EV. America's in the US. a bigger America's spread out. We're not super population dense, even though we have cities. You know, and in Europe you have very narrow roads, parking spaces that are a premium. Like having a smart car in France and Paris means you can park on the street. You can find a parking spot. You mm. ever go to Paris? No, no, Johan? no, no. 
You know how if much you go I to make? Paris or Spain. I know. Exactly. I've been to Spain, to Paris, though. Spain. I have been to Barcelona. Okay. Best city so ever. So when you're in Barcelona, you, you, know, you see a lot of smart cars, a lot of short, small city cars. Yeah. Because if you want to park your car, you could easily get a parking spot. Or not easily. You can get a parking spot. If you have some SUV, you're not going to find a parking spot. Whereas mm-hmm. in America, everybody's got a driveway. Everybody's got a garage. Everybody lives in an apartment with a giant apartment complex next to it to house trucks. They just don't think that way in Europe. They have little tiny cars. They have little tiny streets. And in China, you know, obviously, it's, these are very dense cities. And so it makes more sense. Americans just, they would, they, Americans want to have a backseat to throw their jacket on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They want to put like, they want to put like, I don't know, a pizza on the backseat and a, you know, a six pack of beer. Yeah, and a jacket. man. Yeah. Have room for each of those things. <laughs> like, that's what we want. Americans right? also we want to have eat like a fried chicken row. biscuits for for breakfast. <laughs> exactly, it's just obscene. So I mean, I don't um, know about you, but my car has actually been serving as like a like a secondary dining room table storage. <laughs> storage unit <laughs> dining room table and storage unit during the pandemic because you know i don't want to sit inside of a restaurant so i'll bring the food I'll do the takeout i'll get the nice oh, takeout brutal. you know the other day i went to yeah. flemings you know went to flemings um, got a nice meal for myself treated myself ate it in the car never imagined yeah. i would do that in my life but i did <laughs> yeah it's um it's going to be pretty amazing when cars are so cheap and they last so long. Like that's the other thing people are forgetting about these Teslas and just electric cars versus ICE engines. Mm-hmm. The people are going to be able to keep these regular cars. The ICE engines just break down constantly, right? Right. And they just take so much maintenance. And then you get in the EV and there's no engine to maintain. Oh my lord. They're just so much easier. You don't have to, to deal with tra- like the transmission breaking down. You don't have to deal with a lot no. of that. I mean, it has less components. Oil. Yeah. yeah. But I think you know the the, the California plan is definitely a positive. Um, yep. But I don't know, man. I don't really like they they have to make exemptions. I'm assuming there's still going to be gas powered vehicles on oh, California I, I, roads yeah. past 2035. Like there has to be an exemption made for like classic car collectors, maybe or or something like that, right? Yeah, I think if you have like um, an old, I think what they should do is this is, where, this is one of the things I was sort of getting to with the three hundred dollar gas. There needs to be incentives that go beyond the marketplace mm-hmm. uh, if you want to really get somewhere. Um, and if you want to get somewhere quickly, I think it's pretty simple. You just say, you know, you can get five thousand dollars back on every EV, and that would be ten percent of the cost of the Model Three, mm-hmm. and you would see that would have a profound impact. Absolutely. And. Like profound, like seriously, um, and um, that. W- and then, if you went on the other side with gasoline, you just said we're going to charge a dollar extra per gallon of um. gasoline, and then said those dollars pay for the other five thousand dollars. So for every five thousand dollars in gasoline that are bought, somebody gets an incentive to not buy gasoline, and that would be like you know if people are burning ten, twenty gallons of of gasoline a day. They're basically every year they drive their gas car, they subsidize another car. So that's how you would do this. And I've one of the things I'm really hopeful about, um, you know, this tr- tragedy with the fires and global warming is very real. Mm-hmm. You cannot deny it anymore. Uh, it's impossible to, you know, have any kind of credibility and deny global warming. It's just a fact, you know. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you could deny that we'll be able to survive it, or you could argue that, you know. Maybe we're not going to have the the sea rise that people predict. I mean, you, you could debate certain aspects of it, but you, you can't debate it's happening anymore. And you can't debate that there's going to be impact on people. You can debate the extent of it. But everybody's starting to realize the cost of not addressing climate change is greater than the cost of addressing it. Right. And I think this was the year that tipping point happened when people realized, holy ish, we're going to have to move out of Napa because we can't live here anymore. Or, you know, the, the Pacific Northwest is going to, if it goes through this every year, is going to be unlivable. Um, that's going to make people say, you know what? Let's put some solar on people's roofs. Let's drop some seaweed and algae into the ocean to carbon sequester. Mm-hmm. And, and let's, you know, create some incentives. We must create incentives if we want to accelerate change. The change of people naturally going to Tesla's is resulted in what, like 2% of the market or something? Yeah. EVs? You know, it's not going to go to 20% overnight. 
if we want it to go to 20%, we have to put incentives in place and disincentives in place. Absolutely. The disincentive, if I want to drive my 1970, you know, eight gallon, you know, eight miles to the gallon, you know, Mustang, I should have to pay a certain additional tax on that. Now, you could do that two ways. You could tax the car, Mm -hmm. and then I'm not going to put it on the road, or you can just tax the gasoline and make it a consumption-based tax. That's more fair. So if you just said gasoline is going to be a dollar extra, it's going to be 25% extra this year, 50% extra per gallon next year, 75 cents, and then a dollar, people would have four years to make that transition. Every year it gets a little more painful. Every year people think about it more, right? So you just make it a little more painful. You know, if I told you you have to lose a certain amount of weight to keep your health insurance, you know, like I'm talking about like obese people. <laughs> like I know this is like supercharged, but you could be sure that if health insurance was based on BMI or let's say half the cost of health insurance, right. so basic health insurance was $250 a month. Mm-hmm. And then if you if your BMI, for every point above normal your BMI, you paid $20 more a month, you'd see people go, you know what, I'm... I'm 10 pounds over my BMI. It's costing me 200 extra a month. I'm going to lose that 10 pounds and make that $1,200 back. That's a really good point. And I'll put it towards a gym. That's such a a good idea. Yeah, because I mean- Yeah, but you'll never be able to say it because people in America have the right to be fat. And they're sensitive (laughs) about it. And this is coming from, I'm 20 pounds overweight. I've been working on my weight for years and I I sympathize with people, but incentives do matter. You know, if if it, if it cost me a thousand dollars a year for every pound I was overweight, I would change my behavior quicker. And I'm I'd sad to say that, but it is true. Well, let me say this: I lost fifty pounds in the past year. Amazing. Um, you did? Yeah, intermittent Congrats. fasting. I didn't know that. Um, working out, doing a lot of yoga, just changing my lifestyle because uh, you know could, you I feel? couldn't get a date. <laughs> That oh, was, was that my it? incentive. I was like, I'm too The incentive was like, bad. taking a shirt off was too embarrassing to take my shirt yeah, off. Yeah, I mean, th- th- that's the thing, right? Yeah. Is that, yes, people do need to be motivated, right, by something. And unless yeah. we have that motivation factor, I mean, like Elon said today in the interview with uh, Kara, he said, I do not think this is actually the end of the world, but I just think things get riskier. And with every year that we fail to take action on climate, it just gets riskier. It's going to get worse before it gets better, right? So completely denying it and not doing anything about it and just continuing these habits, we have to Mm. stop them somewhere. And the thing is, big changes start with little, little steps, right? So, hey, it might start with just getting people to, you know, drive their gas cars less, right? Through a plan like you suggested. It could ultimately get them into an EV, which is a bigger step. And then solar, which is an even bigger step, right? So we have to start somewhere. And I think this EV mandate starts there. Um, Let's get get to the last uh, piece here, which is Dope or Nope. We love it. Always the great. ID4, right, here we go. the looking. Volkswagen ID4 came out, uh, was officially unveiled last week. So it's going to be imported from Germany to other markets. It ranges from $39,000 to $44,000 before incentives, and they're scheduled for delivery in Q1 2021. Um, ID4 production will eventually shift domestically here in the U.S., and the price will lower. Keep in mind, the Model Y retails for about $50,000. So, Jason, the car you're looking at, Retails for about $6,000 in your beautiful Model Y. Uh, the range is also 250 miles on a single charge. So Volkswagen expects to sell about half a million of these per year by 2025. By comparison, Tesla sold 367,000 vehicles in 2020 or 2019. Um, any thoughts here, Jason? Dope or nope? Hmm. So it costs slightly less, 10% less, and you get... 60, 70, 70 miles less battery. Mm-hmm. So whatever this 25, 10% less, 25% less battery range. The interior looks plastic and cheap. Yeah. And keep in the mind, guys, this looks is like an SUV style crossover SUV vehicle. So it's exactly like the Y. Yeah. I, the styling looks meh on the outside. The inside looks cheap, like very cheap. Yeah, it looks like that kind of fabricy interior. Fabricy cheap. Yeah, interior. Like it does a not Corolla. look like a. Yeah, doesn't feel like a forty-five, fifty k car. It feels like a thirty k car. Um, I haven't driven it, 
but I want to give them credit for actually getting a 45K car out there. Yeah. That's an EV, especially after Volkswagen lied on their emissions tests. Mm -hmm. Correct? Yes, yes. And that's one of the reasons why they built this car. <laughs> they, they Was because, yeah. yeah. So I, all right, I, I'm going to give Volkswagen dope for getting the car out, but nope for the car itself. So the car said nope for me. I wouldn't buy it. I, it. It doesn't even come close to a Y, obviously, without mm -hmm. self-driving, et cetera. So, but it's dope that they did release it. Does that? Am I allowed to do that? Yeah, you can do that. I mean, I would. I, I would also give dope. them credit for you know coming out with it. Um, yes. But it's kind of underwhelming. I mean, they worked on this car for so many years, yeah. and it just looks it looks like Why a whatever kind of car, you know. Why couldn't they make it? If they're spending all this money on it, why couldn't they make it look great? Like, this always, I'm always wondering about this. Is our ugly cars cheaper to make than good looking ones? <laughs> they must you be. You know, or is yeah. it just a lack of creativity? Did they just have like design by committee and they said we have to make something that appeals to everybody? Imagine if they made something that had looked like the Ford Bronco, like something with some, yes, some pizzazz. Yes, inspiring. Yeah. This is just kind of like a whatever. I don't think they're going to sell half a million of these. I'm guessing year. they spent. I'm guessing they spent ten times more than the Ford Bronco team spent on design. Probably, yeah. Because this is such a big, amazing, you know, effort for them, and they came out with something that is so oatmeal, white bread, boring. Like uh, an electric car should be exciting. It's not exciting. The Model Y is exciting, right? I know not everybody likes the Model 3, Model Y design. I think the Model Y looks sexy. But it's um, also exciting uh, uh, because of what it can do, right? I mean, the car yeah. can basically almost drive itself. Drive itself. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people need to be realistic about the self-driving stuff. Like, it is autopilot on steroids right now. It can do exit ramps very well. Mm -hmm. It doesn't do the streets yet. The streets are going to take a long time because streets are not prop. I mean, the streets are just not properly labeled. Right. They're, you know, I think what these, uh, what self-driving is going to point out is just how poorly constructed streets are. You know, like I have roundabouts in my neighborhood and, you know, stop signs and merge places that are just poorly designed. And like, they're hard for humans to understand, let alone computers. Yeah. And then you have pedestrians, you have all of these other yeah. things in the road. I mean, I was actually one of the best things that has happened to me in the past month is that I taught someone how to drive. Like I, I taught someone how to drive. They got their oh, really? license and everything. Right. And like mm. because of this process, I kind of observed like, man, there's so many things in the road that kind of get into the way right when a car is driving something can come out of you know nowhere and you have to stop right so no i agree with you i think it's going to take a little bit of time to get there um but i think they're i mean the way they're kind of processing and collecting all of that data to get there i think it's the right way right because they're actually getting real time data um from a lot of different places where people are actually driving Teslas. And I think we've actually talked about this before. Um, why I think they're probably going to be the leader in that space. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here, here's well, a break. I wish, <laughs> I wish them good. I wish them luck, but um, I don't, this is no way this, I would be surprised if it sold 50,000. Yeah. Um, here's a breaking news uh, segment oh. today. Just to let you know, Doc Rivers is out, out uh, with the Clippers. Breaking news. Doc Rivers is no longer coaching the Clippers. <laughs> Because he couldn't, couldn't he, win. He <laughs> couldn't win with. I mean, they said Kawhi was the best player in the league. That's not true. Nope. Not the best player. In the <laughs> and then, then and you have the Warriors George. next year coming back. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I don't. I, I think the Warriors are going to come back on fire, and they have the second round pick. Yeah. And they, they could trade that. I wonder if they're going to try to go at Giannis, mm. the Greek freak. That's the word. Dope. Or, sorry. Uh, we should start a segment with the whole, I guess, my guess. <laughs> my guess. My guess. My guess is Trevor's, is, going, Trevor's going to jail. <laughs> I guess is Bernie Madoff was guilty. <laughs> all right, ladies and well, gentlemen. Well, the other thing we didn't talk about with the Trevor stuff, yeah. which you left out, was all the personal behavior stuff, mm -hmm. which is being tracked. You left that out. 
because we don't have any verification of that, correct? Well, the Wall Street Journal and both Bloomberg have reported on it. They've spoken to the uh, woman who was a victim, and Milton and Nicola both deny the allegations. But yes, um, in recent days, there's been sexual misconduct uh, allegations from his cousin, um, which is extremely unfortunate, which is why people think he deactivated his social media accounts, but we'll see about that. Yeah, who knows which, you know, um, which set of issues is the the bigger set of issues. Like, is he a predator or is he a fraud on the company side or is he completely misunderstood? It's just it's we'll just see. incredibly, like you know, sad, right? Because this man had so many opportunities to do right, not just with his family, but with the world bringing this zero emission technology into the marketplace, making the world a better yeah. place, defeating climate change. And he just kind of all fucked it up. You know, I, I have a feeling that this was like a deranged individual for a long time. Yeah. It's just my guess. That's my guess. That's it's your guess. guess. That's a guess. I'm putting it as a guess. Please don't sue us. Thank you. Please <laughs> Nicola, don't sue us. Please don't listen. We're just guessing. Please, please yeah. don't listen. I, I mean, hey, if if they're gonna if they're gonna sue us, maybe this is a good thing for the pod. Maybe we'll get to uh, more, more yeah, listeners. Get, this will be a free more PR, free, so <laughs> free PR event. Uh, but that's gonna be a wrap on Inside all Transportation. Right. Uh, thanks yeah, everyone for listening, and we'll see you all next week. Take care.